Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, welcome back. Bailey Hancock here. Today, we're talking underwear, underwear and HR. (laughs) We have Ellen Sweeney, head of people operations at MeUndies, which you may or may not have heard of. Um, It's this exploding startup in Santa Monica that's been around for a few years now. So I'm excited to talk to Ellen because she's our first and only HR person that's on season one of the Bailey Hancock show. So I know I have a ton of questions about kind of how HR works from behind the scenes, what that means in terms of not only hiring and recruiting and training, but dealing with the daily, you know, issues that employees have. And, and I'm very fascinated with how companies keep employees happy year after year. And so I'm excited to have Ellen on. Ellen, welcome to the party. Hi, Bailey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. You are our go-to HR girl now, officially. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us, before we get digging into your current role, did you grow up wanting to be an HR professional? (laughs) I did not. I actually never even considered that as an option. I, as I was growing up, I knew that I loved creating experiences for people. Um, I was, you know, at 10 years old, helping my mom throw dinner parties and put together place settings and doing all these things. And I, I knew that's what I enjoyed, but I wasn't sure how that could become a career. So initially, um, when I went to college, as I was talking to my guidance counselor, kind of explaining this, they pointed me in a direction of majoring in hospitality and tourism management. Oh, that's um, what I did. Oh, cool. Yes. So it made sense. I was like, yes, that's great. I love creating experiences. This kind of is event planning. It's hotel. It's a little bit of everything. So I actually studied that in school um, and did work in hospitality for my first two years of my career. So in what capacity? Were you at a hotel or something else? Mm-hmm. So my first job, I moved to Los Angeles right after college since there's a big hospitality scene here, of course. And I worked at a boutique hotel in Santa Monica on Ocean Avenue. Um, I actually started as the pool hostess. So I was... Wait, which hotel was this? Can you say? Yeah, of course. It's called Oceana Beach Club Hotel. That's really funny. So that was the very first place I applied for a job. No way. I moved to LA. Yeah, I applied for, I think, I don't even know what the role was. It was something probably like that. It was like not quite room service, not quite, yeah, yeah, it was, and I did not get the job. And I was like, oh, oh, this LA place might be a little (laughs) harder to navigate than I thought because I had like moved out here with an MBA and like hospitality, five years of hospitality experience. And I was like, well, shit, all right, here we go. That's funny. (laughs) I know. It was a great little hotel. Oh, I loved it. It was a perfect, perfect place to start my career. And I actually learned so much there in the year that I spent uh, just in like talking to every different type of person and handling issues on the fly. And it really actually positioned me well to end up in a career in HR, surprisingly. Um, And then after that, I worked at a luxury apartment building as their event manager and concierge. So I threw all of the resident events and also did concierge, similar kind of hotel type work for the guests. So yeah, it's true. I I think I've never really thought about that crossover between HR and, Uh but it's so much problem solving and just exactly human beings and their issues. Yes, it truly is. And it's exciting for me because I 
wanted so badly to figure out where I could have a career that's really about helping people and creating experiences for people that had longevity and something that I wanted to do for a long time. And once I ended up in people operations, it kind of, it was that moment where it just clicks. Mm. It makes so much sense. This is what I was meant to do and everything leading up to this point really created, uh, created who I am as an employee to be successful in this role. So how did you go from events to HR? What was that moment? And did you intentionally do that? Or was it like something happened that turned you on to it? No, it was a very curvy path to get there. So I, after two years in hospitality, I realized, yes, I love hospitality, but probably not the long-term career for me. It's a tough, um, it's a tough it's thing tough. to do forever. Exactly. You're working holidays. It's yeah. It was, I was getting really worn out. Um, so I actually interviewed at what was kind of a startup at the time, Press Juicery, obviously now is huge, has stores all over the country. Um, and I actually joined their team and customer experience. Mm. So I felt that that was a really great way to kind of get my foot in the door at a startup scene, taking the skill sets that I had and, and using them in a slightly different way. And then Press Juicery gave me great opportunity to explore a few different career paths. So I actually started in customer experience ended up in corporate sales. And then my last role at Press Juicery was actually managing the company culture. And it wasn't until um, I was handling corporate sales at Pressed and they opened up a position for head of company culture. And I read the job description and I thought, whoa, that's everything that I've ever wanted in a job, but I don't have any experience doing that. No one, they're not gonna consider me. And a girl who worked there said, Ellen, you need to apply for this. This role was meant for you. And it was really because of her that I, I just did it. And, and then I got the job. And that's, the so there's a couple of things that are super awesome there. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why you work at a startup, because generally yeah. there is a lot of movement. When I worked at general assembly, I had three jobs yeah. within two years. Exactly. They were, all, they were all kind of related, but a little bit different from each other, but they really yeah. give you the space a lot of times in the beginning, the early days of a startup. Mm -hmm to just try on a bunch of hats and see what fits and see what you like. And, you know, if you're lucky, you've got a, a management team above you that is like, we like you as a human and we like the skills exactly. that you have. I don't really care the specifics of the job title and whether you've done this exact thing before we trust yeah. you. So that's so lucky. And then the fact, I, I know that feeling and I know so many of us have that feeling of being like, oh my God, this job is perfect for me, but there's mm -hmm. no way they're going to give it to me because I haven't done this exact same thing before. Exactly. And that, that comes up in everything, all the workshops I teach people yeah. hitting me up, like on Facebook and on Instagram, people often have that moment where they want to make a switch into something, but they get frozen because they're like, well, my past experience doesn't speak to this. Yes. So in your scenario, you are an internal move. So that takes mm -hmm. a little bit of the challenges away, but yeah. was there anything you had to do to kind of prepare yourself to even pitch yourself for that kind of role? I think it was really the preparation that happened before the role became available. I proved myself in the roles that I had to be a hard worker. I was always hustling. I was putting myself out there and getting to know all of the people at the company, whether they were in my role or not, getting to know the executives and really positioning myself as an important member of the team wherever I fit into it. So I actually think it's before you know what you want, proving that you're a really, really awesome employee is what's going to help push you forward when the opportunity becomes available. No, that's totally true. And that, that kind of speaks to the advice I give about making deposits before you need to withdraw. 
as yeah. it as it relates to relationships and you know community building in your yeah. network. But it's the same thing in this scenario. It's you're putting your best face forward long before you need something from anybody and long before yeah. you're asking for a recommendation or a new job. Yeah. Which that's the part when people are in a role and they're kind of coasting or they're they're happy with what they're doing yeah. for the moment, but they don't have that next in-game in mind. A lot of times that's when people kind of slack and that's, you know, that's exactly when you need to be your best and your shiniest because it's in the exactly. moments when you don't think people are watching that they really are building an opinion of who you are. Yep. Exactly. So, awesome. so that obviously helped a lot. Yeah. And so you got into the role, the head of culture. Mm -hmm. and what, was it everything you dreamed it would be? It was, it was definitely, it was a new role. So that was the first time in my startup experience that I was the first person in a role. And so when you're the first person in a role, there is a lot of, you're kind of creating what this role means for the company. And that, that was certainly a learning curve, I think for me. Um, the founder's kind of like, okay, you're in charge of the company culture. What do we do now? And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Uh oh. So it, that's one of the coolest things about it is you're really crafting a role exactly how you envision it should be and what it should do for the company. But it, that was definitely the most difficult part. Um, but at the time, Prest had several stores and a fulfillment center and our HQ. So a big part of the role was kind of bridging the culture between all of those places, mm -hmm. um, which has actually been very helpful now at Meandies as we get ready to open our first retail store. Um, but it was a lot of like visiting the stores, talking to staff, seeing what they needed to be supported as members of the company, visiting the fulfillment center and doing the same thing. Um, so it's really cool. It was a learning experience, I think, for the company to have me in this role, for me in the role. And we rolled out some cool things. We had a big company newsletter that was really helpful. Um, I started throwing more events and doing wellness activities that kind of aligned with the brands like SoulCycle and so on. So it was really cool. It was, it was cool. I think that now if I was doing the role, I could do an even better job now sure. that I had a lot more experience. But I think I, I think I did a pretty good job having been brand new at it at the time. <laughs> That's the best case scenario. When yeah. you're the first person into the role, you get to set the tone and there's exactly. no, you know, past metrics that you're pulling from. I mean, it's a challenge, obviously. It was the same. Exactly. With MBA. All mm -hmm. three of the jobs I had there were brand new. I was the first one to have them. Mm -hmm. And so it was amazing. It was like, oh, yeah. wow, I've never not followed behind somebody in a, in a position before. So that's super exciting. Yeah. Um, so when you were head of culture, would you say there was, there was one thing in particular or anything that you noticed that really helped kind of make people happy to be there and happy to be an employee? I think something that I didn't, I, I didn't get to explore enough there, um, that I, I've kind of later learned and been able to look back on that is that the things that people or employees really truly appreciate are things that are kind of gonna move the culture needle is what mm -hmm. I say. You know, having lunches and snacks and parties isn't going to make people happier. Those are things that happen to help introduce each other, right. introduce people to each other, or as a perk of doing a great job or having fun there. But the things that really help are the listening to people and providing opportunities like learning and development and mm -hmm. career pathing and honestly just a, a team of people in people operations or HR that are available to help them navigate the workplace. Um, I think those are the things that really impact somebody's journey at a company, but 
that's probably the biggest thing I learned is that a party is not going to make everybody happy. It's a fun thing, but it's certainly not the answer. Yeah, I feel like the snacks and the, you know, donut Fridays are kind of a band-aid a lot of times at companies. They're like, I know things suck, but look, free food. (laughs) And there's a tiny part of our little people brains that are like, yeah, you're right. You are feeding me. So you must not be (laughs) losing me (laughs) sugar. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's so, that's so not enough. I always laugh at the companies that are like, we've got ping pong tables. Mm. And it's like, Okay, <laughs> but if you're working, you know, 80 hours, yeah. the last thing you want to do is friggin' stay after work and play ping pong or whatever. Yes, definitely. It's not the right, it's not the right fix. So exactly. that's awesome that they even had the foresight to yeah. put a role like that in place. Yeah, it was really cool. And I think that more and more companies are doing similar things because they're seeing how important it is to create good atmospheres for their employees. So I, I think it's so awesome that this is the direction things are moving. Yeah. And when you were in that role, so I, I assume it wasn't quite HR, right? No, theirs was really separate from, from HR. But it does make sense that they would kind of engage with one another since employee yes. happiness is all obviously like a major thing to engaging and retaining them over yeah. time. Exactly. Um, yeah. Did you find that there were ever any instances where somebody was maybe kind of on the downslope of wanting to be there and, and perhaps there was something that happened or an initiative that started that kind of reeled them back in a bit? It's honestly been so long since I've been at Press Juicer to even really remember exact things <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Um, but I think so. I mean, I think especially with the store stores at that time, the stores were so far removed from the culture and didn't often have a voice in what was going on just because they weren't at the HQ, you know, they weren't interacting with people who were able to make changes and, and so on. So I think interacting with the store teams and visiting the ones that were in Orange County or even further from where we were based out of, um, I was able to see that that really made a difference to people. Just having somebody from the HQ come chat with them, drop off the newsletter, see how everybody's doing, I think really made a difference just to show that, Hey, I'm, I'm a person that's available for you if you need anything is, is huge. Yeah. That's always hard. And I don't, they're not a franchise, right? No, they don't franchise, but it kind of same model where there's like a headquarters and then there's the actual stores, Mm -hmm. um, where the people there are probably hourly, they're coming in, they're doing the job Mm -hmm. and they're leaving. It's not like a full time life gig for them. That's gotta be very challenging to make them Mm -hmm. feel like they're still part of the family and they're still part of that culture. Um, even when they're not in the same building as everybody else. Definitely. Yeah. So what happened next? So I I wasn't really looking for a new opportunity, um, but I had a friend who's also in people operations who saw a posting in a people ops group that she's in for a role at Neandies. um, And it was an office manager role. So a lot different than what I had been doing. Um, So I was like, you know, I'm not really sure about that, but okay. Like I'll, I'll look into it. So she pushed my resume over to the people that had posted it and they reached out and set up a phone call. So I took the first phone call and about 15 minutes into that phone call, I was like, I have to work at Meandies. This place is so cool. And what was it? I think that it was just like such a cool brand at the time when I was interviewing. It was about- Oh yeah, like, when was this? Uh, this is a little- uh, a little over three years ago. So like three, three years and a few months, probably. Okay. Um, so like 2015, yeah. Spring of 2015. And I 
they just, it sounded like such a cool company. It was about 15 ish people. Um, very, very startup y in that, you know, it was a 3,000 square foot office building space with the fulfillment center. Like it was the most startup thing you could think of at that time. And I just loved the thought of that. And I loved the brand and what it was doing. And underwear just seemed like a really <laughs> exciting thing. Like I, I thought it was really cool that they were entering this market as kind of the first, um, first subscription e-commerce underwear company at the time. And so it was just really exciting to me. So I got off that phone call and I was like, I have to work there. Like, this is a, I have to, it's so cool. Um, so had a few more interviews and so on, was offered the job, really kind of mauled it over because I was managing the company culture at Prest and the office manager role at Mandy's was like a little bit different than that, slightly more administrative, not so involved in the culture, but still kind of, it was the second hire for their HR people team. So still was going to be able to be very involved in crafting that culture. Um, so I just I decided to take the plunge and give it a go. And was it a lateral move or was it kind of a step back at all? It was probably a step back. I mean, it was a step back in title. I think lateral though, and the types of things I was going to be exposed to simply because of the size of the company. Right. So Mandy's was so much smaller. My exposure and things I would potentially get to work on were larger than what I was able to do at press just because it was a lot bigger by the time I was leaving. Right. And I think that's an important thing to note too, because often those opportunities for growth roles where, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to take this open crack in this doorway, you know, to get into something that could ultimately be a bigger deal for my career. Mm -hmm. Those are hard moments because they require you deciding if a long-term gain is worth the short-term loss. And it sounds like it wasn't even this massive loss or anything like that. But yeah, I think when you're used to a particular title, and then you're like, okay, am I going to be an office manager now, yeah. like ordering supplies and toilet yeah. paper or, yeah. yeah. So that's great that you had the foresight to like, you know what? I want in on this company. I'll get exactly. it however I can. Mm-hmm. So when you took that role, was it like, what were, what were those first three months like? It was definitely crazy because Mandy's is at a very small office at that time. So, um, I was, I was the first person again in this role there. So I walk in and the office is kind of, you know, nothing to write home about. It was pretty small. They'd been in there for a while. We were getting close to being too big for it. And they were kind of like, okay, make this functional. And I was like, ah, like I don't know how to make it functional. Um, but I figured it out. And I think very similarly to the various roles I had at Prest, I knew that if I just hustled and did a great job and, and made everything awesome the best way that I knew how, that it would all work out. And, and that's what I did. And, uh, I think maybe four or five months into my time at me undies, we started a move into a new office space where we currently are. Um, so part of my job was handling that entire move and making it happen and preparing everybody. And it was really, really cool. And it was an incredible experience. So that was a big chunk of my first first few months and my first big project here. I mean, that's kind of trial by fire. Yes. I know when GA was expanding into other spaces, our like campus, you know, operations manager, that was all on her. And that was, it's so many moving pieces and, you know, we didn't, it wasn't even like we were moving offices, we were expanding. So it was an additional space, which is different than having everything transferred over and moving the human beings, which people don't like change inherently. So 
yeah, do you feel like what of your past experience up until that point really came into play or was this kind of new skills you were honing on the job? I think it, it's the same skills that I sort of utilized in hospitality and event planning, which is you're, you're literally planning for an event. That event is a move and there's a bunch of people that are part of that event that you kind of have to uh, make sure that they know exactly when they need to be somewhere, what they need to take with them, when to show up. So it was very similar. It was just a, a different type of event than what I had ever done before, but it, that part was easier. I think the part of kind of making sure that everything was timed right. And that was a lot of guesswork on my end. Um, but I had a, a wonderful boss and leaders to kind of help empower me to make the right decisions and, and guide me along the way. So it, it went really well. And obviously they instilled their trust in you and, exactly. and that's gotta be a great confidence boost yes. as well. You know, if you exactly. feel like, okay, they're not looking at me like I'm going to screw up. They're like, you got exactly. this. We got to go do other things. We don't exactly. have time to watch you. And being empowered to do something, even when you haven't done it before is truly the best feeling. And I think that kind of goes back to making sure, making sure people are happy in the workplace. When people feel empowered and empowered to make change and, and trusted, it goes such a long way and lifting them up and encouraging them to, to be great employees. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. it's such a small thing. People think, people overthink what human beings' motivations are, yeah. right? They try and simplify it and say, well, people want, you know, money. They want lots of money. They want bonuses. They want rewards. Yeah. They want recognition. And a lot of times at the end of the day, people just want to feel like somebody trusts them to do their job. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody likes to be micromanaged. Nobody likes to feel like their bosses are looking over their shoulder. Mm -hmm. I was just telling this story recently of a job I took um, at a hotel when I was, you know, first moving to LA. I had taken a break from my career doing events mm -hmm. for five years and, I took a job at a hotel as a catering coordinator and my boss was a friggin' nightmare and mm -hmm. she made me feel so incompetent. Like I got to the point where I was afraid to answer the phone around her because yeah. I felt like she was watching me waiting for me to screw up. And I had an MBA at this point mm -hmm. and five years of work experience and I didn't feel confident answering the damn phone. Mm -hmm. It was so bad. And that took me a long time to build that confidence back up. Yeah. Once you've been knocked down like that, you're like, am I a piece of shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> am I horrible at my job? Yeah. Maybe I don't deserve, you know, anything. So yeah, I think, gosh, I wish more companies had people that yeah. did focus on empowering their employees mm -hmm. and really showing them that, listen, I hired you. I hired you for a reason. You've mm -hmm. got all these skill sets. Now go do your thing. Like yeah. do your job and only the, in the way that only you can. Exactly. It's pretty special. Yeah. So you move offices and then what, what happens next? Because at that point, that's got to feel like a huge thing that's off your chest, right? Like that was like the yes. first task on your <laughs> list and then you're in, what becomes your job at that point? Yeah. So I did that. And then my next big thing that I kind of had to do, which was the thing I was most excited about was we have a annual two night, two day retreat at Mandy's that everybody attends. Um, so that fall we had our first one and I was the sole person in charge of that planning the entire retreat. We went to Palm Springs. Um, and again, I had never done a, a, an event of that magnitude. I'd never done anything that, you know, it was more than four hours. So it was so amazing. And it really opened up my eyes to what the potential was for company culture here at Neandies and where I could kind of tap into that further as my role progressed. So we had the retreat. Um, and then 
I was in my office or in my office in my job as office manager for about a year, I think. Um, and I, I kind of naturally progressed into just handling all, handling all things company culture. I was starting to hand some, handle employee relations a little bit, um, handling candidate experience and onboarding and all of these kind of various pieces. So office management was no longer really something that I could do both that and mm. this new role. So we ended up hiring a new office manager um, who is still with us and is so wonderful. And that kind of helped unlock me to go down more of this road of culture, but really handling everything from the moment somebody walks into the store as a guest or as a, as a employee through when they leave me on D's. Um, so I was really handling all of that. And that was sort of the next step. And I, my title was sort of just like people operations associate at that point. Um, so I did that for a while and then I actually started helping with recruiting as well. Um, so I kind of had this hybrid recruiting people role for about a year too. So when you were kind of making that evolution from office manager to people operations, were those roles or were those tasks things that were given to you or were you just starting to kind of incorporate more of the pieces of the job that you were excited about moving into? Yes, they kind of, it was, it was sort of just a natural progression. I started doing all of these things when I, when you realize like the opportunity of what you can do better and better as a company, as we were evolving, you know, from 20 people in a small office. Now, you know, we're 30 people and 40 people and so on. There's a lot more that we could do and who I am. I just naturally was like, Oh, we should do these things. And then they just sort of started happening at that time. Our team was still very small, just myself um, and one person and then we hired a recruiter. So there's three of us for a while. Um, so there was a lot of opportunity to expose myself to a lot of different areas of people operations, mm. which I was thankful for because Mandy's was very supportive of me kind of dabbling in all of these areas of people to kind of figure out exactly where I fit. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a good situation to find yourself mm -hmm. in when you are a self-starter and when you are somebody that's yeah. like, I know what I'm interested in and I know what I'm good at. And yeah. so, you know, you keep adding a little bit of that to your plate more and more as mm -hmm. long as you can handle it. And then suddenly you find yourself in a place where you're like, well, this old job kind of doesn't fit me anymore. Exactly. I'm better suited to do this stuff. Like yeah. that's pretty awesome. And yeah. so at this point now we're what, how long ago? I was doing the hybrid people recruiting role probably, uh, what is this, April? It was probably like a year and a half ago that I was in that mix or a year ago. Um, and then we got to a point where me doing both recruiting and this culture employee relations piece was too much. Yeah. We kept getting to these points where, okay, now we're big enough that we need two different people to do these things. So I kind of mulled over, do I want to go down this recruiting side? I actually was really enjoying recruiting. Um, mm -hmm. But my passion still really was with people operations and creating a, a positive employee experience. So I elected to go down that path. We hired an additional recruiter. Um, and then my path to kind of leading the people operations team sort of unlocked from there. Um, again, sort of just by like, I kept taking on more and more and more and then you kind of land. And yeah. then here we are. It's like you were, you were shedding your skin and then suddenly you had a whole new, you know, situation. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So now you're head of people operations. Is that your primary role? 
Yeah, so we have a people operations team of seven people, including myself. So much bigger than what we started. Um, it's kind of split into, I identify it in three categories. We have HR, which I oversee, and then we have an additional HR person now. And then we have um, our recruiting team, which is three people. And then we have employee experience, which mm -hmm. is our office manager, now our employee experience manager, and our receptionist. So I kind of split it into those three buckets is the easiest way to explain what a people operations team really is. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. you're managing all the people that manage all the people. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So is your role now more of a management situation than actually getting in and doing the nitty gritty every day? Not really. We're still at a size where even our, our heads of teams are in the weeds doing yeah. things, um, which I enjoy. I like being in the weeds. I, so I, I manage the team, but I also am still doing everything with employee relations and with HR um, compliance and, and that kind of stuff. And then supporting our recruiting team as needed. And our employee experience, experience manager is really owning a lot of that stuff, but I'm still supporting her as far as employee relations and so on goes. And how many employee, employees total do you guys have right now? So we have... Uh, 58 in our headquarters, but we have 124, including our fulfillment center and our soon to open next week retail store. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So by the time this airs, you guys will have a retail store. Yes. And we'll probably have a lot more employees than 124, wow. I hope. <laughs> That's a many, what number of employee were you? I think that I was like around 16 or 18, something like that. That's pretty cool. Yes. It's cool to be that early in on a at, a at a startup and at a company that continues to grow and actually evolve and do well. Because, yes. you know, the story with most people's startup experiences is, yeah, I was there at the beginning and we were growing and yeah. then it was closed one day and yeah. I didn't have a job. So that you got very lucky. <laughs> you got on the right path. I did. I did. And it's, it's been so cool. One, seeing kind of the evolution of the way our people experience has progressed, but also just the evolution of Mandy's. It's been so cool to see when I started, we only had one style of women's underwear to now where we have women's underwear and four styles and bralettes and all of this great stuff. It's been just so wonderful being a part of the way that our, our whole company has unfolded. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. So now it's funny because a lot of times another thing that happens with startups is you'll get to a certain point where in the beginning, wearing a ton of hats is required, right? Like that's mm -hmm. super necessary. And then a lot of times what happens is you get into a phase of growth where they need everybody to be super narrow in their job mm -hmm. titles and their job descriptions, just because when you scale, obviously, you know, it's better for people to have specific roles. Has yeah. that happened there? Or, I mean, it sounds like obviously you've narrowed your scope mm -hmm. a bit, but you're still doing yeah. a ton of things. Yeah. What's the scenario been there? Yeah, we are definitely at the point where we're narrowing roles. We have been for a, about the last year. A lot of new roles still coming through the pipeline um, because people's roles are narrowing. So, you know, our first employee was doing so many things and his role is really kind of now split into several people's roles and so on. So I think that we're getting more and more specialized as we go every day, but certainly at that point where where there's specialties and people aren't just doing a bunch of, a bunch of roles. And so how do you keep the employees who were there in the beginning or the type of people who are multi-passionate, say like a lot of people I talk to and myself where 
those people love startups because they get to do a lot of things. How do you keep those people excited and engaged when they're having to narrow their focus? That's a great question. I think a big part of it is even though by narrowing your focus, you might be doing less or every day is so much different, you're really having the opportunity finally to hone in on one specific skill set and complete that job in a much better fashion almost. So you're really able to unlock your real potential in one area. So I think the excitement of that and being able to focus and kind of go to Mandy's 3.0 in this role because now you have the time is still a really exciting, motivating thing. And I think that never really goes away as we grow. There's just more to do and there's more projects to fulfill. And so your role is still always evolving and exciting regardless. Yeah, that was something I saw a lot at GA was a lot of us from the beginning kind of felt yeah. like a little bit pigeonholed mm -hmm. and they didn't do a necessarily great job at allowing us to still evolve within that smaller scope. Mm -hmm. And so that's when like personally I felt the pinch and I was like, ah, I got to go. I'm feeling a little too, you know, backed into a corner here in this one particular yeah. thing. But I think, you know, it, there are obviously ways to make that transition yeah. smoother for those multi-passionate Jack and Jill of all trade people. So, exactly. And there's some people that, you know, they like startups when they're really young and they don't necessarily stick around when they do get to this phase of specializing. And that's totally okay too. There's people whose expertise really truly is in the very early stages of a startup and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think yeah. the more clear you can be with yourself and your manager on what actually does do it for you, as, exactly. you know, as an experience, as an employee. I mean, I think you're right. There are people that just excel yeah. in the chaotic, crazy early days of a company where yeah. you're not sleeping much and you're there mm -hmm. all the time and you're just building and growing. Mm -hmm. And then when things start to level out and it becomes somewhat of a normal-ish kind of job, I think yeah. some people get bored with that. Yeah. But okay. that's when new people come in and inject a sense of, you know, newness. So that's exactly. actually a question I have too is yeah. how, how do you manage, and you've obviously been there for exactly this, how do you manage the merge of the old culture, old, you know, round, first original round of employees with mm -hmm. the people that are coming in now when it's in such a different phase of growth, you know, that they weren't there when it was under 20 people. Now they've only seen it at this, you know, certain level of growth. How do you, how do you merge those two groups together? That's a great question. I think where there's a lot of, where a lot of people make mistakes is that they try so hard to hold on to the culture that was there in the beginning. And that's just simply not sustainable when you get to a certain size or a certain number of employees and you have all these different types of people in the mix. So I've really worked to try to just evolve our culture and not lose sight of who we were when we started or why Meandies was founded, but really carry that into almost a more sophisticated version of itself as we grow. Um, and we're really big on surveying people and talking to the team and understanding what types of things they'd like to see us do as a culture. So Whereas maybe when we were 20 people, it was fine to just have somebody come in and like be a random speaker on, you know, some idle Tuesday and it was perfect to get the job done. But now that's really progressed into learning and development opportunities and different people want to learn different types of things. So maybe we have a speaker specifically for those that want to learn about career development, or we have an offsite to learn how to be better public speakers. It's really just evolving what we did then to make more sense in the now if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, as far as merging the two cultures, I think 
that's where hiring becomes so important. Um, I think hiring somebody to fit into your team and your culture is so important. And when I say fit into our culture, I don't mean that what I like to get a beer with this person test. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, does this person fit in with the core values of our company and are they, you know, going to want to stay balanced with us? Are they going to want to champion diversity and do these different things? And we're really assessing that. And if we hire the right great people, they're going to add something awesome to our culture, no matter how unique or who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. That culture fit, it comes up a lot because as an employee trying to get in at a company, it's super important to feel like you're going to mesh well with the company values and the human beings that already work there. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard piece to figure out before you're actually on the job. How do you, on the other side of that table, how do you ensure that that person's going to mesh and they're not just saying the right things in the interview? That's definitely the the risk you you take with hiring, but I think we try to do a great job of having a expansive interview panel where people are interviewing not only with those that they're going to be working closely with, but also additional members of the team who they might not be working closely with. And we're very clear with the um, the hiring packets that we give to people during interviews to understand what they're evaluating for and so on. So they can really have a productive conversation and walk away with really clear thoughts and feedback on the experience that they just had with the candidate. Um, so we're not leaving it to this loosey goosey, just, Oh, I thought they were cool. Like, okay, but that's fine. That's great. There's a lot of really cool people, but are they going to be a great asset to our culture and, and champion what we're excited about here? Yeah. It's so hard. It's like, especially if you're not somebody that has that interviews people regularly. I mean, I remember they would do the same thing at at various companies I worked at where we'd interview the people coming in for potential roles. And if you don't do it regularly, you're like, what the hell do I even ask them? Like uh, it. So it's good that you assign more qualitative or quantitative metrics to the interview process rather than just being like, what'd you think? Yes. Yeah. Everybody's opinions are totally different. So that is tricky. What would you recommend to somebody say they're coming in and they're applying for a job at MeUndies. Yeah. Um, you know, what's, what way can people best prepare themselves to go into an interview? I mean, I know there's a million and one factors for how to be good at an interview, which yeah, of course. I don't know if that's not even a thing, just you kind of have to be yourself, but nobody feels yeah. like they're themselves when they're going into a job interview. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for what makes for a good natural feeling interview? I think, I mean, of course, be yourself, just like you just said, is of course the number one piece of advice. But I think that it's important to remember when you're going into an interview that not only is the company interviewing you, but you're also interviewing the company if it's going to be a right fit for you. So try not to put so much pressure on yourself to be like, oh, I really need to impress these people. They also should be impressing you. And if you come prepared with great questions, you should ask what you want to know about the company, ask what are your values, what, um, where is the company going, whatever it is that you want to ask, I think that's your time to also investigate if it's the right fit. Because at the end of the day, we don't want you to join a company because we really love you and we're great salespeople, so you love us. We want you to join the company because you're so excited and you had such a great time interviewing with us that it's a mutual agreement when we get there. Yeah, that it's like a first date, right? Nobody's yeah. being their full honest selves. They're just trying mm-hmm. to impress the other person. Yeah. But in, at the end of the day, you're going to be stuck with each other. 
Yeah. So you may as well actually <laughs> genuinely want to be stuck with each other, yeah. especially, I mean, would you still consider MeUndies a startup at this point? I consider it a startup in the way that people think of startups and culture and having cool things and so on, but not, no. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's in the teenage years. Yeah. Well. I think there needs to be an in-between like adjective for companies that are no longer tiny, but they're obviously yeah. not, you know, 30 year in companies. Exactly. Cause it's an awkward phase sometimes mm -hmm. of growth where you're not able to just fly by the seat of your pants anymore yeah. and just work really hard and be crazy and drink beer all day like while Definitely. you're working. Yeah. But you're not, you know, Coca-Cola. Like exactly. it's, it's a, it's a phase that doesn't quite have a title for it, but yeah, yeah that can be an awkward phase, but it's still a super exciting time. It, it yes. maybe even in my life at this point yeah. sounds more appealing than the early startup days. Yeah. I feel like that's a young person's game, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, I don't know if I can go back and do that. Do that again. Yeah. It's definitely an exciting time. It's a, it's a really cool time for the people that are joining right now because we We've kind of gathered our footing of what we are as a company at this point, um, but there's still so much opportunity to really impact where we go from here. So it's a really great time for people to join. So you feel like people joining now aren't on the boat too late. There's still yeah. a chance to see it grow and be part of that rocket ship. Yeah, absolutely. Every single person here at this point is still make, making huge contributions to what Mandy's is and where it's going to be going, no matter what their role is, which is really cool. And what do you think as a company makes it such a fantastic place to work and a great company to be part of? I think that, well, first and foremost, I think that everybody who works here genuinely believes in the product. I mean, I truly think our underwear is incredible. I wear it every single day, not because I work here. It's just incredible. Um, so I think everybody loves the product and kind of the message we're putting out there of like, feeling comfortable and confident in who you are. Mm. So with everybody behind that, no matter what role they're in, they're excited and motivated to be here. And so the energy in the office every day is just a very uplifting, kind of inspiring place to come with everybody working toward the same collective goal of being an incredible underwear company and succeeding. And um, I think that's just infectious. And I think that we do a wonderful job of hiring. We have such wonderful people that work at MeUndies that it just makes the biggest difference when you come to work every day, even on the days that can be more stressful or maybe you have a lot of meetings or something doesn't go as planned. We still, at the end of the day, have a really supportive team. And that's just so huge. I mean, your coworkers are such a massive part of your professional happiness mm -hmm. at a company. I've stayed yeah. at companies way longer than I wanted to because I loved my coworkers mm -hmm. and I've left companies earlier than I probably would have if I did love my coworkers. Yeah. It's such a big deal. And, and that's a tough part because you as the employee can't control that at all, mm -hmm. but you as the head of people operations, you know, yeah. that's literally what you do is yeah. Make sure that the right human beings are coming to work there every day and really fulfill that mission and, and those values. Exactly. And it's, it's so exciting for me because why I love this job is because I, I genuinely, genuinely want people to have a great time at work or the best time that they can. They're spending so much time here that it should be. And if I can do anything to help support people here at MeUndies or support them to go do something else beyond MeUndies and just be happy doing whatever that is, then that's all, that's all I could ask for. 
That's such a great segue. How do you deal with that? This is something that I talk a lot about with the one-year career um, as I work with companies on the Mm -hmm. end of how do you keep your employees happy and how do you meet them on a level where they actually are? So Mm -hmm. a lot of times what I see happening is managers and employees, there's a level of not distrust, Mm -hmm. but they both inherently are kind of looking at each other like, are you going to screw me over? Are you going to leave? Are you going to whatever? And in reality, I think the kind of cultures that are healthiest and make employees happiest are ones where there is a level of trust and transparency with what the employee actually wants out of their career, not just today, but in three to five years, um, where the manager can then say, okay, while you're here, while you're with me, how can we work together to get you to a place where when you leave, you'll be better suited to go do the thing that you want to do. So it yeah. sounds like that's something, you know, that you guys actually incorporate already, which is amazing. Yeah. How do you deal with that? If an employee says, I love my job here, but like, this isn't forever, you know, mm-hmm. do you work with them to kind of help them develop those skills and gain that experience that they're going to need ultimately for the next thing? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of companies throw around transparency and all these things, but I do like to believe that we truly are trying to be as transparent as possible when it comes to figuring out where people want to grow at Meandies or if they don't want to grow at Meandies. Um, is not something that we've always been perfect at. So we actually implemented last year what we call check-in conversations that happen every quarter with a manager and their direct report. And it's a template that they talk through of What am I enjoying in my role? What am I not enjoying in my role? Where do I want to grow to? And how can MeUndies and my manager help support me to grow there? So for some people, it's I want to grow into being the director of this department. And for some people, it's I want to start my own company. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with doing something that is not at MeUndies forever. And it's up to our managers and myself and the people team to help support people achieve those goals. So it could be something like attend a conference and we help support sending them to this conference. Or it could be, um, I want more exposure to event marketing. And so we consider that, okay, how can we start looping you in with the person who's handling event marketing to learn more about that? Or we had one person who really wanted to learn about event planning. And so when we planned the holiday party last year, we were like, do you want to help come and set up and execute the day of? And so it's really just putting the conversations out there of understanding what people want to do and helping do that for them and supporting them to, to be able to grow. And it just makes it a lot easier to have that transparent out in the open. I wish every company did that because that's, it's such a stupid small thing and it obviously takes work right on the manager's Mm -hmm. part and on your part. But I have to imagine that the results speak for themselves Mm -hmm. and that when people feel heard and they feel like, oh, these people are on my team. Like they want me to do well and they want me to be happy in my career. You just, I personally, I want to give so much more of myself to that team as opposed to one that's like, stay in your lane. I've literally been told in different jobs in my life, stay in your lane, stop trying to add new things to your plate, da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, okay. That's just such a a moral squasher, morale Mm -hmm. squasher. Um, so it's amazing that, that you guys actually do that. Yeah. What's what on average is the tenure of most employees at Meandies, would you say? I actually don't know that exact number. I haven't checked in a long time, so I can get back to you. Yeah. I'm always just curious. <laughs> if it's, actually, I'm not sure. I haven't pulled those numbers in a while. Because I mean, my hypothesis would be it's slightly longer, if not yeah. a lot longer than yeah. companies that don't support that internal professional development or even external professional development. Definitely. And 
of all of the things that are so far keeping those employees engaged and excited and happy to be coming to work every day, is there a motivator in particular that most people seem to want or is everybody different? I honestly think it's actually, everybody is different. We send out um, something called Tiny Pulse. It sends a question on Wednesdays to the team, just one question, checking in how they're doing and they can provide anonymous feedback. And every time we ask that question, we just get such a huge range of responses of what's important to people. I really think it, it depends a lot on where people are at in their careers um, and where they're hoping to, to grow. So I think part of our job is understanding what makes each individual person on our team tick and, and working with them. Not every, it's not a one size fits all employee experience. Thank you. Oh, can I come work at me? Please, <laughs> my God. Yes. It's so funny. This is such, it's, that's just the way it should be. Like if I harp on anything to companies, it's everybody's not motivated by the same thing. And when I teach individuals, yeah. we go through a lot of what our individual motivators are, yeah. what's going to make us happy day after day. And even within individuals, it changes year mm -hmm. over year. You know, when you're in your twenties, I always wanted more opportunities to go to conferences and events mm -hmm. and travel. And now that I'm in my thirties, I don't want that. <laughs> I want professional development opportunities yeah. and networking opportunities and, and opportunities to, you know, grow my expertise. And mm -hmm. I know it will continue to change. And my favorite Southern saying is there's a seat for every ass <laughs> that kind of falls into yeah. this category of what does it for you is not going to do it for me. And mm -hmm. the companies that have the foresight to say, yeah, we're going to meet you on your level, mm -hmm. not try and shove everybody into this same exact motivation box. Yeah. Those are the companies that are worth seeking out and mm -hmm. sticking with for a very long time. So clearly you have just killed it in this <laughs> new phase of your career. Yeah. It's very That's exciting. Cool. That's got to feel very good. It is. It's really, I, I feel very excited about what I'm able to do. And I, I think the biggest thing of why I've been able to unleash kind of my potential here at Meandies is with the support of our executive team. They care so much about company culture and employee happiness. So with their buy-in, it empowers me to be able to, to care this much and to do all of these things. It sounds like it's just the perfect storm of mm -hmm. right leadership, right culture, right yeah. mission, right values, mm -hmm. and right human beings that are filling it in, which is so lucky. Yes. That's so lucky. And I hope it lasts for a really long time for you because at, at, at GA specifically, there was this beautiful phase where mm -hmm. everything was aligned and it felt so good to be there. Mm -hmm. And I woke up every morning like, is this really my life? Do I really get to yeah. go work here? And there's no better feeling as an employee yeah. that you can get than feeling like, yeah, I'm excited. I have no Sunday blues. I'm excited to go to yeah. work on Monday, you know? So yes. That's Definitely. amazing. Well, so we'll link in the show notes. Um, gosh, we'll link to your job board because I yeah. feel like after this, you're going to have <laughs> people being like, wait, I need a job. <laughs> yes. Come apply. We love it. That's amazing. Well, Ellen, thank yeah. you so much for sharing all of your people, HR, event, everything else <laughs> under the sun wisdom. This was fantastic. Yay. Thank you so much, Bailey. I've loved it. Good. All right, everybody. See you next time. Bye.